Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Hey there, I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. Welcome to Talk About Talk. Question for you. Are you an ambitious lifelong learner, always looking for research-based self-improvement advice? Or maybe you're looking to get noticed at work and advance your career. Well, in either case, or maybe both cases, this is the place for you. Talk About Talk is a learning platform, an online resource where you'll learn how to boost your communication skills. We talk about things like networking, storytelling, communicating with confidence, and today's skill, naming. These are just a few of the critically important communication-related topics that they don't typically teach you at school. So, you can think of Talk About Talk as your secret weapon to propel your professional development to the next level. And here's the thing. Talk About Talk makes it so easy for you to become a skilled communicator. If you go to the Talk About Talk website, you'll see a variety of resources, including free weekly communication coaching through the email blog, academic and white papers to read, one-on-one coaching, online courses, and of course, an archive of over 50 podcasts. And I'm updating the website with new resources for you every single week. In this episode, we're tackling an important topic, brand names, specifically how to choose a name. So how do brand names fit into our general topic of communication skills? Well, names are a significant element of our identity, right? In our most recent Talk About Talk podcasts and blogs, we covered the topics of archetypes, personality, and our personal names. These topics all relate to identity, and identity is a significant factor in communication. So here's what you'll learn in this episode. You'll get the five main steps in choosing a brand name, the seven types of brand names, the step-by-step process that I use for generating a list of name contenders, and the objective evaluation criteria, the list of what to consider when you're making your final decision. This list will make your naming process so, so much easier, I promise. And even if you're not a brand manager, you're going to find this interesting. For example, this evaluation criteria can help you critique brand names and other marketing elements in a more disciplined, objective way. As always, you'll find a summary and the transcript for this episode in the show notes on the Talk About Talk website, so don't worry about taking notes. There's even a summary of the steps and everything you need to remember in the naming process, so just sit back and listen, and then go check the show notes later. Got it? Okay, let's do this. Over the years, I've had a lot of fun as a brand manager, and then teaching students, and then guiding my consulting clients on how to choose a brand name. Sure, you can hire an agency to come up with a name for you, but then you'd miss out on a process that encourages you to think deeply about your brand, what it is, what it's not, and importantly, what you want it to become. I have a quick story for you about naming. In the spring of 2018, I applied for Seth Godin's first ever podcasting fellowship. Long story short, there was an online application form. And when I was describing what I wanted my podcast to be, I actually typed the words, this will be talk about talk. A light bulb went off in my head. I quickly went to see if talkabouttalk.com was available. And guess what? It was. I secured that brand name faster than I thought was possible. That's kind of a funny story, right? I shared the story with you for a couple reasons. First of all, it's kind of entertaining. It's definitely serendipitous. It is not at all typical of the discipline naming process, which is what I'm going to take you through in this episode. You're going to learn the five disciplined steps that you need to go through to come up with a new brand name. If you divert from this discipline process, though, that's okay. 
By the way, when I say brand, the learnings here are relevant for all sorts of contexts. It could be a new brand or a new line extension that you're managing, or for a startup or a company if you're an entrepreneur. Or if you're at a bigger company, the name could apply to a department or a project. Or maybe you're naming your podcast. Or maybe you need to change a name because of a merger or a new strategic direction, or simply because your current name isn't working. I remember years ago helping a client in the financial service space change their firm's name because there was another firm that competed with them indirectly that had exactly the same name. Unfortunately, that other firm got caught doing some, shall we say, dubious things. And when my clients were asked a few times about their involvement in these dubious acts, they knew it was time to change their firm name. So as you can see, there are many, many reasons why you might need a new name. But the main application that I'll be referencing here is a new brand. What I'm not talking about is naming your pet or your new baby. There's a different process there, at least usually. That reminds me, did you hear that Beyonce and Jay-Z trademarked their kids' names? There's three children that I know of, Blue Ivy and Rumi Carter and Sir Carter. Trademark, trademark, and trademark. But I digress. Anyway, there is one similarity that I want to share with you up front between the process of naming your baby and choosing a brand name for a product. That has to do with involving your customers in the naming process. Based on my professional and personal experience, I strongly recommend that you do not involve your customers or your friends in the process until you've narrowed it down to one or two options. And in that case, it's really a disaster check. That's all you need. Stop asking people whether they like the name. That's irrelevant. The brand has zero brand equity at that point. Or if you're talking about a baby, the baby has yet to share his or her personality. So the name is going to be tough to like. What's more important or relevant to ask is, can they pronounce the name? Can they spell the name? Does it have any inappropriate connotations? Will the kid get bullied at school? Does the name rhyme with a rude word? Does the brand name translate into something completely inappropriate in another language? You know, that kind of thing. Otherwise, do not involve your customers or your friends and family in the naming process. They don't understand your objectives. And furthermore, if you involve a big group in the naming process, you'll end up with something safe and boring. So, Include your customers or your friends and family only at the very end when you've narrowed it down to one or two contenders. And don't ask whether they like it. Tell them you need a disaster check. Got it? Okay, let's do this. The brand name development process. Let me share with you the five steps you need to know to identify the ideal brand name. When most people think of choosing a new name, they think of two steps. Name generation and name evaluation. And these two steps are definitely where I'm going to spend most of my time here. But I recommend that you break it down into five stages. Definition, generation, evaluation, protection, and application. So definition means defining the strategy and identity of your brand. Generation is listing potential names. Evaluation is ranking and choosing. Protection is registering the URL and the trademark. And the fifth and last stage, application the launch, as in getting your name out there. These five stages are a general sequence, but it's important to keep in mind that they are often recursive and sometimes concurrent. So don't worry if you're not going step by step. For example, you might want to secure a URL before you formally generated and evaluated other names, if you think that URL has potential, right? Okay, step one, 
is defining your strategy and identity. I know it's a cliche, but the more work you put into this first stage, the better the outcome. Quality in, quality out. Your name is critically important since it's typically the first impression your brand will make on customers. And unlike other marketing mix elements, such as pricing or promotions, the brand name should be permanent. I don't want to make you nervous about this, but I do want you to take it seriously. It helps to think objectively. What are your objectives for this new name? Generically, brand names achieve four things. They serve as an identifier. They uniquely identify the brand. As a communicator, they communicate something about the brand. As a protector, as in legally protecting your brand equity. And nowadays, they can also help with discovery. They help your brand get found, as in a search term. At this stage, though, you're articulating the image and strategy of the brand. You might have all this stuff formally written out. That's great. Or it might be in flux. If you haven't formalized these things, now's the time. Because here's the thing. You don't want your name to inform your strategy. No, 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 no. You want your strategy to inform your name. Here are some examples of things that you want to establish before you go any further. Things that you want to have written out. There's your product category, so what's the space that you're competing in? There's your direct and indirect competitors, and you might want to consider what types of names they have. There's your target market, describing the demographics and psychographics of your customers. There's your brand benefit or point of difference. What do you do better than your direct competitors? And then there's your brand identity elements. Things like brand values, mood, tone, personality, and archetype. As I said, we covered some of these recently in detail in podcast episode number 54 and related blogs. I'll leave links directly to those summaries in the show notes. So ask yourself, is your brand a hero, a rebel, a leader, charismatic, dependable, funny? Go through the archetypes and the personality dimensions and decide what works best for your brand. So these are just a few of the things that you can list in your brand strategy and identity document. I'll leave this list for you in the show notes. Two things to keep in mind as you're finalizing this important input into the naming process. First, it's not who you are, it's who you want to be. It's the ideal brand image. Remember, your name should be permanent. And that leads me to the second point. This is long term. You might grow geographically or you might go into other product categories. So if you're a restaurant, you might not want to limit yourself by including your street name or your city. Or if you're selling purses, make sure purse isn't in your name. You might want to extend into other fashion accessories. Do you get it? There's a trade-off between being descriptive of what you are and general enough that you can grow and expand. This is just one of the trade-offs or tensions in the naming process. I should have warned you about this at the very beginning. This ain't easy. And it's so subjective. There are many, many tensions associated with naming. For example, There's the specificity versus extendability or long-term flexibility, like I just mentioned. Then there's relevance and semantics versus globality. So if the name has resonance in one culture, it may be totally irrelevant in another. And here's another tension. We want our brand name to sound familiar, right? But then also unique and memorable. I always warn my clients about this tension in particular before we get started. After we narrow down the list and select one, there's sometimes a feeling of letdown. Like, that's it? But here's the thing. The name you've selected is unique and ownable by you, and it has no brand equity associated with it yet. 
It's not Zoom or Coca-Cola yet. It's like a blank slate. I find that expecting or anticipating these tensions helps immensely in the process. If it feels uncomfortable, that is completely normal. It probably means you're doing it right. The alternative safe and comfortable process is to have a focus group generate safe and comfortable names for you that you can then get your customers to vote on. How democratic, right? I promise you, you'll end up with something safe and comfortable and probably boring. Okay, we're almost ready to start generating names. But before we do, we should establish who is involved in this process, who's making the final decision and the decision criteria. As I said before, I would not leave the final decision or even the name generation up to your customers or even to a large group. That's when safe and boring happens. How the process evolves, who participates, and how the final decision is made depends on many factors. But I do have a few suggestions. First, a group of four to six highly invested folks is probably ideal. People who know the firm, know the brand, and genuinely care about its future. Secondly, it helps to include one or two folks from outside your firm to join the team. It could be someone from your marketing agency or maybe another supplier or partner. Third, I usually recommend that each of the four to six team members be given veto power. So, obviously the team members really have to trust each other. As for who's going to make the final decision, it depends on your culture, but in my experience, it should be up to the one person with the most seniority. But that person absolutely needs to be open to all team members' input. As for the decision criteria, I'll share those with you in a minute. Stage three. Okay. Let's start generating names. Like I said, you can hire an agency to come up with name contenders for you, or you can even use software, but you can probably brainstorm and generate an amazing list of contenders yourself. Here's what I like to do with clients. First, make sure everyone on your team has access to three things. One, the brand strategy document that we just created in stage one. You know, the product category, competition, target market, brand benefit, and brand identity. Second, a paper and a pen or a laptop so they can write their ideas and not forget them. And last, access to a thesaurus. It could be online or in Microsoft Word or even an old school thesaurus book. And here are the rules. There are no bad ideas and everyone is expected to actively participate. There's no interrupting, but don't forget what you're going to say. Write it down just in case. Nominate one person to create a massive list of terms that'll be generated. Ideally, that's all you'll do in your first session together. Just generate ideas. This list could be online in a shared document, say sharing screens in Zoom or projected onto a screen in the room, or it could be on flip charts that'll be taped to the wall, in which case the person needs to have legible writing. You'll also need someone to moderate the discussion, to lead the discussion, call on people as they raise their hand. This could be the person who's recording everything, who's writing all the ideas, or it could be a second person. Let's assume this moderator or leader is you, since after you're done listening to this podcast, you'll be ready to lead your team through this process. Have you got all that? So you've got your brand strategy and identity document, you've pulled together your team, everyone's equipped and everyone knows their role. Okay, you're ready. Start by simply asking someone to talk about the brand. That's it, just describe it. Then capture all the words, the descriptors, this is brainstorming from a blank slate. No prompts other than the brand strategy document that we created in stage one. Just talk about the brand. So, for example, with my business, I would say, 
communication, coaching, communicate, communication skills, talk, confidence, research-based, intellectually curious, and all of these words would be captured or written down. Go around the table asking people to describe the brand. Remember, it's the ideal brand and the future brand. It's what you want it to be. After you start slowing down, encourage people to pull out their thesaurus. Choose a word that they like from the list you've created, a word that seems highly relevant, and find some relevant synonyms. For the example of talk about talk, if the word is communication, you could look it up in the thesaurus and add words like interaction, or message, or talk. Hopefully the list, whether on a screen or on flip chart pages, is getting really long. Sometimes the silence is good. People are thinking. If you get stuck though, here's a list of questions to prompt the team with. You could ask them, how would you describe the personality of this brand? Which archetype does this brand fit with? Why? Here's a fun one, use metaphors. If the brand was a food, what food would it be? If the brand was a car, what car would it be? If the brand was a color, what color would it be? You could do this with flowers, with fabrics, with animals, and then ask why. You can also focus on your competition. So who are our main competitors and what do we like about their names? What do we dislike about their names? Importantly, compared to our main competitors, our brand is what? If you go through this brainstorming and then answer these questions and other questions that come up, you should have pages and pages of adjectives and other relevant terms. Before you move on, here's another exercise that can help you with name generation. At this point, it might be helpful to consider the types of names that you could choose. This will give you another lens for both generating new names plus evaluating what you've already got. Generally, there are seven different types of brand names. I don't like to share these any earlier because it might bias people in terms of their brainstorming. These names vary in terms of whether they are real words or invented words, and in terms of whether they have relevant meaning for the brand or no meaning. They are explicit, implied, combined, altered, surname, random, and invented. Don't worry, I've included a summary in the show notes for each of these seven types of names, and you're welcome to print this list and give it to your team members when you reach the stage in the naming process. The summary includes the definition, examples, and pros and cons of each. Let me quickly define each of them for you so you have an idea of the types of names. First, explicit. These are real words that have real meaning that is direct or explicit as in Home Depot, and as in Talk About Talk. The second type of name is implied. So this is also a real word, but the meaning is implicit. So names like Yahoo, or Amazon, or Nike, or Visa. The third is combined. I really love this type of name. It's an invented word that's a combination of two or more words, as in Microsoft, Facebook, or FedEx. The fourth one is similar. It's an altered word, a modified word, as in Intel or Lucent. The fifth is a surname, as in a person's name, as in Walmart or Disney or McDonald's. Sixth, we have random names, which are real words with a completely unrelated meaning, as in Apple and Shell. And the seventh and last type of name is invented. This is an invented word with no meaning. It's a nonsense word, like Exxon, or Kodak. Once you've shared this list of name classifications or types, ask your team members to share their thoughts on whether these types of names might be more or less effective for your brand. 
For example, a surname might be very effective for a local restaurant, but less so for a high-tech company. You might get some clues and ideas by looking at your competition and what types of names they have. Combined and altered names I just want to highlight because they can be highly effective as they implicitly communicate something about your brand. They're also really fun to generate. Ask your team members to look at the list of words you've already generated and play with some of the words. Cut syllables, add prefixes, combine them. I've worked with clients where we've combined words that describe their most significant corporate values and we've combined them into invented combined words. So challenge yourself to identify the most important elements of your brand identity and then use these words to come up with more name contenders. One last thing to consider before moving on to evaluation. Take a look at some wordplay. Consider things like alliteration, rhyming, and acronyms. These mnemonic devices can be really powerful and effective, mostly because they may make your name more memorable. So for alliteration, think about names like Value Village or American Apparel or Bed Bath & Beyond or Krispy Kreme or Coca-Cola. Do you see what I mean? Are there two words that start with the same letter for you that might work? For rhyming, consider brands such as Lean Cuisine or StubHub or 7-Eleven. Again, take a look at your list. Are there two words you can think of that rhyme? And then last, there's acronyms. There's IBM, which was International Business Machines. There's AT&T, which stands for American Telephone and Telegraph. And did you know that 3M was originally Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing? Here's a question. Would an acronym work for you? All right, so you've brainstormed from a blank slate. You've carefully gone over your image and strategy to highlight new ideas. You've learned about different types of names and come up with some of those. And you've done some wordplay with mnemonic devices. What a list. This probably took you at least one full brainstorming session, maybe two or more. Regardless, now is time for a break. Print the list with all of the name contenders and distribute it to all your team members before moving on to the next stage. Evaluation. What I like to do in advance of this evaluation stage is ask team members to independently, privately identify their top five favorite ideas from the list. It could be a name or a word or part of a word. Also ask them to identify which of the seven types of names, surnames, combined, etc., they think would be most effective for your brand. Then ask them to come into the first evaluation meeting and share these ideas. A new list will then be created. At this point, nothing is off the table, but a new highlighted list is created with the top contenders. Once this list is created, a discussion will naturally flow where people will start comparing and ranking the contenders. Several years ago, when I was on the foundation board of a large hospital, the hospital decided it wanted a new logo. You know, the visual branding for the hospital? They hired an agency that came up with a gorgeous logo. Looking at it from my marketing and communication lens, this logo was ideal. So I told management, that in my professional opinion, I fully endorsed the new logo. When it came time to present it to the entire board of directors though, management was more than a little bit nervous. Logos, like brand names, can be very subjective things. People have their opinions, right? So here's what we did. The president of the hospital got up and took the board through a PowerPoint presentation that highlighted the process that they followed, and he then unveiled the new logo. Before the board members had a chance to say a thing, I stood up, and I said, I'm sure you have some thoughts inside your head right now, opinions about what's good or not so good about this logo. 
Before we get to that, though, I'd like to share with you some objective evaluation criteria that branding experts use to critically and objectively evaluate logos. I then took them through a list of six criteria. After I took them through this criteria, there were a few questions and positive comments. Then one of the board members said, I think we're ready to vote on this. And I, for one, support this new logo. They took a vote and unanimously voted it in. We were thrilled. Partly because the logo was approved, of course, but also because we avoided a time-wasting conversation about everyone's personal likes and dislikes. Can you imagine? I like the orange, but the blue could be a bit brighter. Ay ay ay. So now, I'm going to share with you the objective evaluation criteria that you can consider to further narrow down your name contenders. There are six criteria, and they are all very important. The ideal brand names are 1. Available 2. They communicate or describe the brand 3. They're memorable and brief 4. They're flexible or scalable 5. They are easily pronounced and spelled and six, they have consistent global meeting. So let's start with availability. Google the word. Do any companies come up? Then try the URL. I have to warn you, this can be very frustrating. Many of the best names are taken, but you can be creative. Try a different suffix, .com, .ca, .org, .co, or a different version of the same word. When I first Googled Talk About Talk, the 1986 pop song Funky Town by Pseudo Echo kept coming up. You know the one. Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Okay, I'll stop there, but I am going to leave a link for you in the show notes. When I checked the URL for talkabouttalk.com, it was available. So what did I do? I secured it for myself right away. Remember, I said we don't always follow these stages in sequence. I've been in boardrooms with other companies that have done exactly the same thing. If you have a name that you really like and the URL is available, just buy it immediately. I secured talkabouttalk.com, talkabouttalkpodcast.com, talkabouttalking.com, and a few others. If your Google searching and your URL search seem to indicate that the name's available, then you can move on to the other criteria. Don't worry, we'll get into securing your trademark in a few minutes. Hopefully, of your favorite name contenders, several will be available. So move on to asking whether the names effectively communicate or describe the brand. Of course, if you've already decided that you want a surname or a random name or an invented name, then you've probably decided that this criterion is not important. That's okay. But if you can communicate something about your brand through its name, that can be an advantage in communicating with your customers. And here's an important consideration that I learned the hard way. Brand names that include common search terms will obviously be found much more easily when your customers are online. Do you know how I learned that? I was in Apple Podcasts and I searched communication skills podcasts. Talk about talk didn't come up, but podcasts with smaller audiences that had communication skills in their title did. So I changed the name of the podcast to Talk About Talk Communication Skills Training. Duh, right? Anyway, continue through this list of criteria. Is the name memorable? Brevity is also good here. Shorter names are easier to remember and easier to type. Also, is the name flexible? Could your brand grow in a new direction and not be too limited by the name? Is it pronounceable and spellable? If you wrote it out, would someone know how to say it? If you said it, would someone know how to spell it? This again is really important, especially when people might be looking for you online. 
If your name contenders gets through this list, the last thing to check is the consistent global meaning. If your brand is international, this is obviously critical. But even if it's not, you don't want to have a name that foreign speakers might snicker at. So seek out colleagues and international speakers, whomever else you know who can help you determine if the name is appropriate in other languages. Not that the name needs to be multilingual, although that might be a great advantage, but more so that it doesn't sound like or translate into something inappropriate. That reminds me, have you ever heard of the famous Chevy Nova brand name story? Apparently, when General Motors introduced the Chevy Nova, they forgot to do this global meaning check. Nova, no, va, loosely translates to won't go, which is obviously not good for a car, right? So sales slumped until they changed their name. But here's the thing. While this story aptly makes the point about global meaning checks, apparently it's not true. I did a little research. Sales of the Nova weren't slow, and they did not change their name. But you get the point, right? You need to do the disaster check. So I'm hoping you've now got a list of five or so real name contenders. I've done things like given team members each 10 red dot stickers that they can stick up on flip charts next to their favorite names. Of course, there's always the guy who puts all 10 of his stickers next to the same name. But you know what? This can liven up the discussion. Why do you feel so strongly about that name? And what would you choose if that name wasn't available? Once you've got your list down to three to five names, you can do the real disaster check with your friends, your family, maybe your customers. But remember what I said at the beginning, you're not asking whether they like the name. This is the disaster check. You might start with, what do you think of this name? And see what they say. Then dig into, does it remind you of anything? Does it rhyme with anything? If this was your main competitor, how would you make fun of this name? I'm sure you'd much rather learn now that the name you're considering rhymes with poop and maybe isn't such a good idea rather than later, right? So you've now advanced from creating your brand strategy document to generating an original long list of name contenders to learning about the different types of names to evaluating your top names against a list of objective decision criteria. Now you have three to five names that you're happy with and that you can move on to the last two stages, protection and application. Oh, speaking of happy, don't worry if you're not thrilled with the name contenders at this point. It's rare that you'd be thrilled with a name that has no brand equity. If you followed the process and others are generally in concurrence, you can be confident that you're on the right track. Moving on, stage four is protection. I have to tell you this in case you didn't know, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not willing or able to give you legal advice about how to search and protect your brand name and eventually trademark it. I can share with you though, two main things that you need to do here and at least three ways to get it done. The two things you need to do, search and secure. So first, search for other trademarks in the space, in the category where you're competing and where you might compete in the future. And then secondly, you need to legally secure or trademark the brand. I would conduct a search on your final three to five contenders and then secure the one that you finally decide on. The three ways to get this done, first, you can do it yourself. So for example, the US Patent and Trademark Office has a website that you can go to and do this all yourself. I have to warn you though, they don't make it easy, but it is free other than the fee, which you have to pay no matter how you do this. You could also do an online search and find a company that will do this for you at a low cost. I considered this for talk about talk. The cost was a few hundred dollars, but I was a little nervous about this. 
The third way to do this is to hire a reputable lawyer at a reputable firm to do the search. I've included a few links in the show notes to legal resources, including the Canadian and U.S. trademark offices, where you can do both things, search availability and secure your trademark. The trademark process, the last part of this protection stage, will take months. So once you've done the legal search, your list of three to five options will likely be narrowed down to one or two. And let me just say this before we go any further. If none of your names are available, don't fret. This is not uncommon. Go back to your notes and look for new ideas. I promise there's something there. Remember, this is an iterative process. But if you're lucky and one or two are available, you need to make your decision and move on to applying or launching the brand while you're concurrently securing the trademark, which can take several months. We're on to the fifth and last stage, application or launching the brand. I know I said the name generation was the fun part, but this is truly the fun part. Where do you start? Well, make sure you secure the URL. If the brand is a firm name, a company name, you might also change your email address to your name at brand.com. So I'm at Andrea at talkabouttalk.com. And by the way, I love getting your emails. Make sure you change your email signature too, maybe even with a link to your new website, but at least with your new brand name. What else? You'll need a logo. Kind of like securing your trademark, there are different ways you can do this. You can do it yourself, you can search online for cheap help, or you can go with a fancy design firm. If you're a graphic designer or if you're creative, you can design the logo all by yourself. Regardless, I recommend getting some ideas from other sources. I used a company called Fiverr, but there are all sorts of other inexpensive options like Upwork.com or Freelancer.com. You get the idea. Take the main ideas from your strategy and identity document that you created in stage one of this naming process and use those ideas to brief the designer. Based on my experience with Talk About Talk and with clients, I recommend two things. The first is that you hire two designers so you get lots of ideas. And secondly, make absolutely sure that you own the design. Based on your logo, I then suggest that you choose two fonts. These fonts will be used on your website, in your blog, on your business cards, and so on. Mine are Railway and Helvetica. Of course, your other next steps will depend on the context of your new brand. Is it replacing an old one? Well, then you need to communicate the name change to your existing customers, right? This is a great opportunity to share some of the insights, the values, and the identity that were covered in stage one with your customers. No matter the context, I encourage you absolutely to keep all your notes from this naming process. The words you used can be used in your copy development, in the sentences and paragraphs that you use on your website and in social media when you're talking about your brand. And speaking of social media, you also need to secure your brand's social media accounts. LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, whichever platforms are relevant for your brand. If you're not sure, it's safer to create an account for each of them and have it secured before someone else takes it. Phew, that is a lot to digest. I could keep going, but this is getting more into marketing and promotions. But in case you can't tell by my enthusiasm, choosing a brand name really is fun. It's very, very important in terms of identity and it's not easy, but it is fun. To make it a bit easier for you, I've summarized everything I've gone through here, plus some other resources in the show notes. There are even printable summaries that you can take with you to your meeting. I sincerely hope this helps you. And I'm always here to help you if you have any questions. Please connect with me at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. 
Let me know how it goes, if you have questions, and let me know what name you ended up with. One last ask. I hope you'll sign up for the Talk About Talk blog. Think of it as free weekly communication coaching. Just go to talkabouttalk.com to sign up. That's it. Thanks again for listening and talk soon.